welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Fundamental Analysis Show, our Sunday episode on Chit Chat Money, where we're going to go through an individual company. Uh, today, we got a recommendation from someone on Twitter. I actually was going to pull it up, but it is Myomo, a right. microcap company. Uh, something yeah. that we're not have been we haven't been aware of before. But I will pull up the name. But Ryan, before we get started, we got to talk about Seven Investing mm-hmm. and the deal we have for our listeners. Yeah, you get ten dollars off. Typically, it costs seventeen dollars, but you get ten dollars off your first month. I mean, it's a killer discount and it's killer. good service. Uh, we always enjoy it. And you know what else they do that I really like is those conference calls. They uh, they have it like it's like a you can respond essentially. You can ask them questions on some of their holdings. So like if they recommended something and you thought it was pretty interesting and you read the whole report, you can ask some follow-up questions through that conference call. I think that's a big value add. Mm-hmm. I'd agree as well. Yeah. It's it's not like they're just putting out the picks and then they don't talk to you. Um, I mean, they're not calling you every day, every day or anything, but if you want to talk to them, they are available uh, looking forward to who their seventh analyst is going to be. I know they got a new one coming on. We and, are excited for that. And if you use code CCM when you uh, sign up and then you're in that conference call, tell them CCM sent you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll, we'll uh, get that from uh, Matt and Simon. All the, all the guys there will be excited uh, uh, for right. that. But my Omo, I'll yeah, talk wait, about Wait, let him. me find the person. It is Adu. Uh, Subramanian, uh, that is your Twitter handle. I don't know if that's your real name, but I do. Thank you uh, mm-hmm. for finding this company. But yeah, Ryan, get right to it. Yeah, so Myomo is a wearable medical robotics company. So uh, it's for patients with upper limb paralysis or neuromuscular disorders. So common causes are like strokes, uh, getting a car accident, or you have a spinal cord injury, cerebral palsy, even there's some other ones. But basically, if someone's lost the ability to control voluntary movements to like their arm or their hand, this is what the Myo Pro is for. And so it's this brace that goes all the way up your arm, and it can help detect your uh, – uh, basically, movements a- what they're tr- what you're trying to do with your arm. It, it uses whatever their patented technology is, and obviously, we are terrible. I mean, you might understand it a little. So, better than yeah, I do. the the at a basic level, again, I'm not an expert on the product, but the basic level they use EMG, which is essentially they're taking the electrical signals from either your spine or your brain, and they're using that to trace what you want your arm to do, and they're actually getting your arm to do it. Uh, it's a lot more complicated for that, but I kind of think that's their technology. Yeah, you know, they're using. It's it's kind of a cool robotic arm. I recommend going and looking uh, at some YouTube videos because they have some pretty inspiring stories on there. But uh, sales pretty much occur through my almost partners. So orthotics or prosthetics providers, uh, Veterans Administration, they refer to that as a VA in their 10K, um, or just different distributors in the geographic areas. So basically you go in, you get examined or let's say like a therapist or rehab specialist. Um, someone who's examining you says, 
you're not going to be able to rehab your way out of this. Would you consider a MyoPro? It's this arm that would allow you to kind of control your movements. Um, and then if they say, yeah, that's something they're interested in, then they will do a screening and do a custom fitting. And so this fitting is used to mold the brace, which Myomo outsources the actual manufacturing of it. And then they uh, tack on their sort of software technology um, and then sell it. And most of the time it's insurance providers uh, that are paying them. So they'll build the insurance provider directly, right. or sometimes they'll issue uh, these braces to whoever the caretaker is at like a wholesale price. Um, so the, the caretaker, uh, can buy it a little bit cheaper and then give it to their client that way. Um, but history, the name Myomo is short for my own motion. Uh, and the company was actually founded all the way back in 2004 in Dr. Woody Flowers Mechanical Engineering Lab at MIT. So good name. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> Interesting name. Dr. Flowers had apparently always been a pioneer in the prosthetic limb space. But while he was working with two of his grad students, they thought the prosthetics could help a different audience, not just people that lost limbs, but people who had the limbs, but they couldn't fully function them. Um, and so they entered the MIT business competition and won $50,000. Uh, and that this was sort of their product. Uh, and then with the help of someone named Steve Kelly, they spun it out of MIT and became their own company. And now Myomo's CEO is Paul Gadonis. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. And he found, uh, he found the company. He was friends with Steve Kelly, who kind of, it sounds like he was sort of this, aid sort of advisor from MIT that We're spinning out from a lab to a company. Yeah. And, uh, so Paul Godonis was friends with him. And so he came on as CEO to sort of run it like an actual business in 2011. Uh, and they went public in 2016 and now they are headquartered in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, they have about f 50 full-time employees. Sorry if I'm getting that uh, number wrong. I think they went public in 2016, but they've done a lot of sort of financial engineering. Um, they went public pretty early on. So, I mean, it's only a six, uh, you'll get into this, but it's only like a $70 million company. So it's pretty small. Yeah. We're definitely looking at a micro cap here. I'll get into the valuation that leads right into what EV right now, or enterprise value is about 68 million micro market cap is a bit above that. They do have some cash on their balance sheet from a recent equity raise. They did ticker is M Y O very easy to find. I, I bet it trades on the OTC markets, but let's just check. Yeah, I believe so. No. Or no, New York stock so. exchange. Wow. There we go. All right. <laughs> big guys. Yeah, playing with the big dogs, even though you're only that market. But they were kind of a busted IPO. Uh, so they might have been hyped up with that technology at the start. You know, uh, the, the share price has come down a bit. Um, EVD sales is still not cheap. It's about 9.3. But it feels, eh, it feels okay for someone that's almost, you know, they've proven the product. They're getting the revenue out there. They're just trying to scale it up now so that, you know, it, with these pre- like not it's not pre-revenue anymore but a lot of these early stage companies the sales ratios and even especially the profitability ratios are just kind of hard to even take stock of because yeah. you're really betting on um, a binary outcome of all right does this product work like it says and okay is everyone going to start using that needs it um, and that's what a lot of these healthcare companies kind of come down to yeah uh it is unprofitable as you probably would expect no dividend they have cash to last about another year at last year's burn rate but they did say they want to get to operating cash flow positive by the end of 2021 um definitely want to hold the feet to the fire there because we know that they have burned a lot of money in the past and 
companies aren't always, you know, they can say they're going to do that, but a lot of companies don't actually get there. Uh, share count is growing quite rapidly, so that will be the main source of funding operations if they still don't make money. Luckily for them, their share price has exploded um, in the last few months here. We've talked about this frequently in the past few weeks, but basically every microcap is going insane right now. But they did also do a reverse stock split. Yeah, well, I, I don't think they that, – that was a while ago. Um, I, I believe it's adjusted on Coifin, which I'm looking at, but – over the last three months, stock is up from $6 a share to 16 So, hmm. Okay, well, I'll get into the earnings then. So revenue for the first nine months of 2020 was $3.8 million. That's up 64% year over year. They reported preliminary fourth quarter results, and it was a little uh, – it was another meaningful acceleration. Uh, but the gross margin on that was 58%. Uh, they had about $9 million in operating losses in that time, so – 3.8 million in revenue, 9 million in operating losses. Yeah. They spent 10 million on SGNA and less on yeah, I'm just going to remind you again, it's less than 4 million in revenue, 10 million in SGNA. So they're losing a lot of money right now. Definitely early stitch. Right. Right, and they I mean they've been around for a while, but yeah. So weighted average common shares outstanding went from about 591,000 to 4 million. Um, that probably came from the reverse stock split to a bit, you know. Some, yeah, but they do have a history of doing a ton of, of share offerings. Right? Share offerings. Yeah. I think from 2015 to 2017, uh, share count quadrupled, um, and that was without any stock reverse stock splits. I'm pretty sure. So that's sort of how they're financing it. But then their authorization backlog is at 162 units, up 35 percent quarter over quarter. Um, on December 31st, the company had $12.3 million in cash. So that's about how much they have left right now. Uh, and they do refer to cash burn as cash utilization, which is mm -hmm. a little bit of a friendlier term. But they have, they, they've said that cash utilization is at its lowest point. Um, it has been, yeah. So they're getting closer and closer to break even. And if you look at that backlog, you think 162 units is small, but these go into the tens of thousands of dollars uh, for what something will cost there. And they did have something about changing. Um, they're not going direct to consumer, but they, they changed. Uh, they took out some middlemen, right? And that's kind of been increasing gross margins, correct? Yeah, there's something yeah, about they, that. They, they can, I believe they can do direct, but... I mean, if you think about it, they aren't super inclined. The, the end patient comes to more of like these specialists. You know, they like the the care of a specialist and then the specialist saying, hey, yeah, they need maybe that. you could use a MyoPro. Mm -hmm. I, so the middleman's kind of important there. This isn't really... Yeah, so it's not the I don't I want to look it up, but I don't think it was the clinician middleman. But yeah, they definitely want to still go through that doctor relationship. That's kind yeah. of what they need that doctor relationship to get the uh, the products to market because no one's going to be like, all right, I'm going to use this. It yeah, it's a little bit of a strange dynamic because you like hope that there's less customers. Because but well, they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna be there. Right. But um, all right. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Uh, I mean, that's mm, it for the earnings. No, I mean, very simple company. Like the technology seems complex, but when you look at this business, you can see all the important things. There's only a few things to actually look at. Yeah, and they have the required patents. I believe they're the only company that does this. Um, there are different technological 
ways to help with uh, limb paralysis, mm-hmm. but they're the only ones that have this kind of robotic arm and that patented technology. And so they're able to sort of price those arms for something pretty expensive. A lot of it's obviously covered by insurance. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah th- that's where if you see their gross margins improving, it's more than likely just from price hikes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. They do have that pricing power when something costs that much and when it's going to insurance. Uh, But yeah, we'll take a quick break here and then get to the second half of the show. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is Red color, red color, where are you? (sighs) All blocked, thanks to advanced security, included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Okay, welcome back in. Digging Trenches is up next. What do you think about Myomo's moat? Zero, one, two, or three? Um, hmm. I feel unqualified to judge it. Honestly, I'd say maybe a 1.5 because there might be legal, uh, there might be legally protected from competitors. Like someone probably couldn't produce the exact same thing as them because they have that patent around it. Mm. But they are, there's always technological advancements in this space. So the chips that people talk about, um, like, being able to uh they mentioned that in their 10k that you can like have the chips put into your brain and i know it starts to sound a little over my head but that can kind of totally make the arm obsolete or no need for it if there's a chip that you can put in the brain yeah not not the arm but the arm brace right and then the other one is they have there's these body suits um which is apparently does a similar thing but those are mostly for the lower limbs right now um, they said potentially that those bodysuits could start to expand into the upper body as well. Now, is that a Myomo product? or no, that no, is like that's a competitor. Com- competitor product. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I'd say it's probably similar for me. Um, you look at those patents, it's probably pretty strong. You know, the patent and technology matters in the healthcare space or the health tech space, but they're very small. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe. You know, it's, it's yeah. definitely not a three. Yeah, I mean, let's say there was a, one of those chips that was kind of normalized and super successful. It, it could totally bypass the need for the brace. So that is mm-hmm. where there is always the risk that uh, innovation is happening a little bit faster and it could just supersede anything that Myomo has. So yep, that's probably the biggest threat to any sort of competitive advantage they have. Yeah. All right. Further reading, what are you looking for? Uh, relationships with insurance providers. So this is the thing I will probably say for, um, or at least one of the things I always want to look for if it's a healthcare company and what typically keeps healthcare companies into our too hard pile when looking at investments is just the relationships with insurance companies, doctors, Medicare. It's all, I mean, as everyone knows, it's super convoluted. Uh, no one can make sense of it. Most people don't understand any part of it, including myself. Uh, and that just puts it in too hard pile. There's a huge hurdle to understanding uh, the healthcare industry. Now, understanding my almost products, I don't think is a huge hurdle. Um, it's really easy to see the use case and the value proposition. It is yeah. an insanely strong value proposition. You get one of your body parts back. But understanding the business relationships is r- tough. Very, very tough. There's also a history of 
uh, bad practice in healthcare, especially devices like this. Certain kickbacks, um, obviously, that uh, the Theranos is always the tall tale that's <laughs> kind of scary uh, whenever yeah. you're investing in a kind of medical device company. But for me, I'm looking at the total addressable market. So if I were interested in this business, I'd really have to understand realistically how many customers could they have because it feels niche. Well, they said 1% of the world population has some sort of um, either partial or, you know, full paralysis. So I, it's yeah. maybe larger than you think. But but if you have full paralysis, I'm not sure this can do anything for you. That's the thing that I don't understand is how many customers actually would uh, mm -hmm. be fitting for this because they do have to go through a lot of screenings to make sure that this is the right product for someone. And how many can afford it? Because even if you have insurance – you know, yeah, it's a big, it's a big thing. Yeah, so just I guess paying attention to that TAM um, future growth opportunities. I'll go first here. Uh, they highlight this as sort of their big one, but it's other body part prosthetics. So they say in their 10K that they want to become the market leader in myoelectric limb orthotics. So right now it's all for arms. It's that arm, that giant arm brace that goes all the way pretty much from the shoulder to the hand. Um, but they said they would potentially want to expand into shoulders, knees, legs, ankles, uh, be able to fit for adults, also fit for children. So not sure how hard that would be, but obviously that's the end goal. That is the bigger picture that they can just be really the myoelectric prosthetics for any sort of partial paralysis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you could think, I mean, whatever the neurons or the electrical signals throughout different parts of the body – are very similar. It's the same little, you know, neurons and stuff firing back to your uh, your brain. So it seems like it'd be scalable to every part of the body. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of parts that go into yeah. this, so they have to get it right for each thing because the brace is super important with the functionality and stuff like that. But you know, I mean, I feels like the leg market, and I hate talking about this in a business sense, but it feels like there's more leg injuries uh, that result in that kind of thing than arms. Um, yeah, but leg motion is a lot harder. Because you have to do that dynamic motion of people walking. So Yeah. And I'd also, I guess this maybe could have gone to my further reading, but what's their relationship like with the Veterans Administration? Because I figured they get That's a, a big, lot of yeah. veteran yeah. clients or customers um, from accidents uh, abroad and stuff like that. Yeah, military Yeah, military stuff. All right. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay, <laughs> I'll hit mine. Uh, so this isn't really like part of the technology, but making it more sleek. So if you look at their current product – it's very bulky. It's very clunky. So for future iterations, if they're able to maybe resell another, you know, updated product through the insurance providers, um, it could, could appeal to more customers. Now, I know the technology comes first and people, you know, really like it when they get there. It's probably amazing when you get your, you know, your arm back, but it, it, it's bulky and uh, it looks like it's not perfect, um, yeah. you know, because it's kind of, you're still kind of a having a big arm brace it looks similar to what you know there's a lot of football players in the nfl that wear those things on their elbow yeah. it looks similar to that where okay yeah you got some of your range of motion back but it's not the same so if they can make it smaller something like True. that that could really maybe appeal to more people yeah i, I think maybe some people are maybe appearance goes out the window when it when you're talking about getting a limb back but if you can be able to tuck it under a coat or a sweatshirt yeah, or something really, that like might really, be really easily, yeah just uh, i think there's room for that as i don't know people it's way above our expertise uh you know internet of things stuff like that uh getting the 
computing and stuff into just ever smaller stuff to, yeah. to get those the arm motion back. But next up is highlights and lowlights. What do you got for this business? So the, uh, what they're doing for the world is great. So that is kind of the highlight is uh, – and, and people are willing to pay a lot to get a limb back. So that's, <laughs> Great value prop- proposition. That is – yeah. That, that part is good. And then the, the technology is patented. I think it's confidence booster for me that uh, it was developed in the MIT lab. I don't know why. Just the namesake kind of gives a little more sense of trust that way. Um, I did watch an interview with the CEO – and he doesn't – it feels less like – this is a business that was built for customers and not really built for shareholders. Yeah. Uh, they are in the financial markets to finance the uh, the ability to serve their customers and the CEO f- felt like he was centered on that. So uh, if well, you're investing, it's like, yeah, you're doing it for a good cause but I'm not sure you're going to be able to get that much value back. And the other part is there's been – a ton of financial engineering. The reverse stock split, they did like a shelf offering at one point. There's been They do have an add the money. They haven't had the money offering yet. Uh, I think it might be outstanding too where that's how they raise money in uh, the summer potentially. Uh, I mean, so. the dilution has been it's a uh, thing. absurd. So it's a thing. you are really, really running that risk and then um, the competitive, uh, the ability for a new product to make them completely obsolete is very real. So I guess that would be a potential low light as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely makes sense. What the you know, there's the I guess not catch twenty two. You're kind of weighing the two things. Where all right, well, if this is a product where they're a customer centric company, that's good for the business. And people have shown that you know, Amazon's the greatest example of uh, companies that focus on their customers usually win their markets in the end, and that's great. But you have to weigh with this type of business. How much value are they going to be able to get back to shareholders because they're really focused on providing a healthcare need to the world and it almost feels you almost feel guilty profiting off of you know people with dis- disabilities yeah not to sound gosh this sounds but you're in, you are literally investing in a nonprofit right now because they well, they don't they make money producing yeah. any profits uh, nor have they so it's like they are burning just a ton of money and it feels like that's why they're in the public markets is to survive and be able to mm-hmm. help their customers. Well, it helps them raise more. Yeah. And the, it helps them raise money, but that's the risk you're taking with something like this. It's a micro cap. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the risk reward is high there. Uh, I'll get to my, or do you have anything I else? I was going to say, maybe I'm underestimating their uh, ability to provide to customers um, and kind of scale up. Cause I'm looking at it. I'm like, they got 50 employees right now. You're burning $10 million a year on just general and administrative expenses. You've overhired. So if you don't sort of hit that annual revenue mark, you're going to be operating at a loss for a while or you're going to have to fire a bunch of employees. And mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely have to. Pro- that situation. They probably got a double revenue to get into the ballpark of break even to get to real good profitability, probably assuming triple that, revenue. Assuming that all that revenue is pure margin. Yeah. Well, because then their losses are even probably larger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now this is, yeah, it feels similar. A company that we've looked at before that is a bit similar would be a similar scientific who has a single technology piece for the healthcare industry. However, the difference between uh, Myomo's products and similar scientific is similar scientific has recurring revenue from licensing the software that goes with it. Yeah. Myomo can't do that. Um, 
it feels almost immoral to me. And this is one of the lowlights of the business model is that really like charging a subscription to access like the software, you know, like they could technically connect it to the internet and turn it off and on, uh, which feels very immoral to me for to do that to someone with a disability. And then they they likely won't do that, but it's a one-time purchase. Um, You're getting a one-time payment from an insurance provider. That's great. It's a giant one-time purchase, but it feels lumpy. Yeah, it really is. It really is a one-time purchase. And any way that you try to think of some sort of recurring revenue strategy, it does seem immoral. Yeah. Well, that's kind of – it's a weird thing about it. But I I do think that it it looks like there's a lot of room to invest in the technology for, you know, updated versions that are better. So that could be another way for, you know, hardware updates. uh, But it's definitely not going to be able to charge someone on a a monthly contract. Yeah, agreed. I mean – yeah, yeah. Do you have anything else? Uh, highlights. I mean, it's a real healthcare product. It's not theoretical. Uh, it's proven, and it looks like they should get to break even soon if they follow this pack path. But I don't know how much I trust management to get there. If they do, that's great. Uh, and right now they're acting as a monopoly, so really looking for execution. There is the competition on the horizon in these high tech spaces. I mean, the biggest example for us is someone we like to follow from the investing side is someone called Josh Wolf from Lux Capital. They invest in high-tech VC things, and they're investing in a lot of companies to disrupt something like Myomo, make a better version. And that's better for society, but Myomo shareholders, it's a lot different than um, soda. You know, there's always people trying to beat you. Yeah, exactly. And it's not about your brand. It's about the technology. Uh, so that's a low light for me. Um, Share dilution again, is a low light. Overall, it's not a business I personally like. Healthcare, don't like healthcare. Um, nah, I guess that's really the main thing. Don't like healthcare. Don't yeah. like one-time purchase You know, companies. It naturally sort of falls into my too hard pile. And I try, I'm trying to sort of expand that circle of competence, but it gets dangerous when you pretend you understand something you don't. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't even know if I want to into the healthcare industry. I don't know. <laughs> it's just too impacted by government which sucks but it just kind of is or not even government too it's impacted i guess that's the medicare side and the veterans administration is probably government as well but uh the insurance companies kind of it's all up to them as well yeah so there's a lot of counterparties uh more or less interested Mm, definitely less but i'll caveat this wouldn't be surprised if it does well if you're investing in this, um, I yeah, we don't give out recommendations, but it feels like something uh, in Austin Lieberman style, who's a friend of the show, who is an investor, and he takes maybe what you would call higher risk, high reward bets. And the way he likes to do it is, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but how he's described it to us before is spreading out bets. So Austin, if you're listening, this feels right up your alley um, where something that, you know, it could definitely be a 10-bagger. You could easily see that happening, yeah. but- you have to know going in, all right, I'm not going to risk a permanent loss of capital with 10% of my portfolio. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it's hard to look at the current financials and be uh, optimistic going forward. That's just, they've been operating at a loss for a while since they've been public. Um, mm-hmm. I, I looked at the S1 even the year prior, they were not profitable. So um, I guess that is the concern. But if you think management uh, is good to their word and they can become operating cash flow positive by 2021, then if that starts to happen, yes, this is going to be a much bigger business than a $60 mm-hmm. million dollar company. Yeah. Um, and that is, I mean, that's the nature of micro caps. Uh, yes. You can have a big winner. 
but yeah. Yeah, obviously and then the current, that with risk. Yeah, the current valuation too is a little expensive where people are like, well, it's expensive because it's a micro cap, but I kind of look at it where if it's a micro cap and it's riskier, you really should think that compared to an established business with a really strong competitive advantage and economies of scale, you'd think it would, you know, something like Myomo should trade at a discount because of oh, the risk yeah. embedded into the business. So when you look at an EV to sales of nine, even though their gross margins are solid, even though they have a giant growth opportunity, I mean, nothing's proven. So yeah. that feels a bit expensive to me. There were people, it feels so normalized now to be like, oh, well, it's below a price to sales of 10. It's not that no, bad. No. But it's yeah. like that price to sales of 10 was expensive two years ago, even for these <laughs> higher, more profitable yeah. businesses. So um but i mean to just again if you want a coffee can a few shares that doesn't feel like a bad idea at all yeah, yeah that's true all, all right. right i think yeah. that's gonna do it that's a good all right that's a good episode uh thank you all for listening um follow us on twitter i don't know why i said that again but yeah you can follow us on twitter at chit chat money use our promo code ccm at checkout to get ten dollars off your first month at seven investing remember we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. Ryan and I are GPs at Arch Capital. Clients in Arch Capital may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>